go ahead and get started. Welcome to rank number one in 2021. One of the biggest initiatives of many marketers out there. SEO, more important than ever before. Major, major channel for driving traffic online. And we are so excited to have you here with us today and to get into this amazing content that we have. We've got content on content. We've got content on BERT. We've got content on the perfect SEO program. We've got content on the most specific linking strategies that you can do so that you can have the right strategy and make sure that you get the most links and, and really kind of approach it the right way. So there's there's a ton of stuff in here. It gets It's technical, it's content, it's links, it's all the really important stuff that we want to see inside of an SEO program. So we're very excited to have you here and let's go ahead and dive into it. First thing, I'd like to go ahead and introduce our speakers today. Alan Bush, would you like to say hello? All right, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm Alan Bush. I'm the VP of Strategy here at Ignite Visibility and a professor of SEO at the University of California, San Diego. Thanks for being here. That's what we call a Zoomism, everyone. Yeah. That's where uh, you, you make a mistake on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, and then, Nicole, would you like to say hello? I'm Nicole Lincoln, the Director of Digital Strategy. And Danny? Danny Conlin, and I'm the Director of Product Management here at Ignite Visibility. Jennifer, would you like to say hello? Hey everyone, my name is Jen Cornwell. I'm a digital strategist at Ignite. And we are really, really excited because we also have Fernando here, Fernando Angulo, who is Head of Communications at SEM Rush. Fernando, would you like to say hi? Happy to be here, Fernando Angulo from the SEMrush team. Awesome. And we've got some really big news for SEMrush today. I'll let Fernando share that. Uh, we're really excited to, to kind of get that out in front of you as well as some pretty amazing content. Um, so, everybody, my name is John Lincoln. I'm co-founder CEO here at Ignite Visibility. Been running the company almost eight years now, and I'm really excited to uh, be doing this event with you today. So a little bit about us. So the company's, you know, been around for, like I said, about seven, eight years. You know, we're one of the top SEO search marketing companies out there, but we've really grown quite a bit. So around 100 employees now. And uh, we just love having multi-channel digital marketing strategies to help you hit your weekly, monthly, and quarterly goals. We now offer creative services, web dev services, Amazon services, conversion rate optimization services. It's, it's so cool for us to be able to provide so much value to people out there. And here's a couple of our reviews online. But enough about us. I want to go ahead and jump into what you came here for today, which is getting into SEO. So I'm going to hand it over to Jennifer. And Jennifer, tell us a little bit about the Google BERT update, which is something that changed the face of what ranks inside of Google. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to just start out and talk a little bit about what BERT is. Um, so BERT was an upgrade from traditional language processing models or natural language processing. Um, the intention behind BERT and, and what's happened with traditional models is that words or queries or, or context is not given to those specific searches in the case of Google, um, but it's an open source framework that Google put together. It's used by companies other than Google, um, Microsoft, Facebook, for example. But talking a little bit more about what BERT is, um, we can go ahead and break it down. What is the acronym? BERT is Bidirectional Encoder Representation and Transformers. Um, so basically what this means is just that 
Bert is going to take a look at the context of a word, what surrounds it. The bi-directional is probably the most important piece here um, in that it's looking at the things on both sides of a word rather than only following what happens within a sentence. So that's like real science-y into Bert. We can talk a little bit more about specifically how Bert applies to Google. Uh, Google wrapped BERT into an algorithm back in 2019 in October, and it impacted about 10% of search queries in total. Um, the intention behind BERT is to get away from the strings of things and start to give words more context. Um, so when we talk about those natural language processing models, um, they aren't great at understanding humans. And Google understood that, Google saw that, and that's why they developed BERT in general, but also why they started to integrate it into their algorithm. So how does it impact your SEO? Can you optimize for BERT? Kinda is really the answer. So the important part of BERT is understanding what it's looking at and why it matters. BERT is gonna be reviewing the queries that come from users rather than taking a look at your website. So the action item here is creating better quality content that's written in natural language. That's the best way to actually optimize for quote unquote for BERT. Um, because there isn't a way, there isn't a set of, of items or, or a list like we can normally come up with. It's just making sure that you're giving the keywords you're going after the right context to rank for those terms. The other piece of BERT is understanding user intent. So user intent is where we start to get into, okay, am I optimizing correctly for BERT? Um, a good example I included here is car wash. So when we're talking about intent, when someone searches car wash as a business owner, you might think, yes, car wash is my service. Of course, I want to rank for car wash. Um, but if you're talking about trying to get someone to your business um, who's looking for your business, who's going to come to you, you probably want, actually want to rank for something like car wash near me or car wash in location. Um, a search like car wash, because it's a noun, an adverb, and a verb, could be a service, a product, or an actual method. Um, so when we're talking about different types of search intent, uh, we can break those down. There's four in total. The first two are informational and commercial. Um, so informational and commercial are much more research-based. Um, informational is going to be something that's probably pretty vague. It's something that's framed as a question. Um, commercial is someone who's probably a little further in your funnel. Um, so they're starting to do comparison shopping versus terms, trying to understand best or reviews, things like that. Um, the other two types uh, we're going to get into our navigational and transactional. So navigational search is also a research search, <laughs> but it's typically branded. So it's somebody who probably already knows your business. It's still important, probably less likely to be something that you run an SEO campaign for, um, but it's still important to show up for those terms. Transactional, on the other hand, is going to be something that's very specific to e-commerce. Um, that's where we get into those buy or near me terms, things where people are definitely looking to convert. So some things to consider. Um, I guess my follow-up to that, uh, Fernando in the next set of slides is going to get into how do we find those terms, how do we do that research, um, but understanding how BERT works and knowing that those are your next set of action items, does your content provide the context that would be required to show up for the searches you're interested in, are you showing with the right intent, um, do you have content that's maybe been over-optimized, maybe at some point you've really optimized for 
car wash, for example, um, but now you're not showing up any longer. Maybe your content doesn't serve the purpose in search that it used to for that term. Um, so analyzing your content for your keywords um, and understanding how Google's going to rank those. And then also taking a look at SERP features. Those have become much more relevant. Um, looking at rich results, related questions. How can you build out robust content with lots of context around the keywords you're going after? Um, so with that, I'll let Fernando go ahead and dive into doing some of that intent keyword research and content optimization. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Fernando, handing it over to you. Perfect. Thank you very much. And yes, I'm really passionate about the informational type of intent. So that's why I want to go uh, directly to how to make my content rank on Google, right? And for doing this, I want to show you a couple of results. Those uh, results are really interesting. The one that you have uh, in the right part of your screen is the so-called feature snippet. And the left hand of your screen is the people also as results. Um, the first one is really hard to obtain uh, because you need to have your keywords ranking in the top five uh, position at least. The second one is more easy to acquire because you don't need to rank in any, any ranks. So if you are in the 10, uh, 20 or the uh, 100 page of uh, Google results, that will be okay. So the thing that you need to do here is working with the right format and the right uh, keywords. So for, for doing this, I want to give you um, a spreadsheet so you can follow all these parameters. So yes, here you can see if you, for example, want to uh, work repurposing your content for the paragraph feature snippet or paragraph people also ask, just please follow the average amount of words that we uh, researched for you. And that's 44 words. Then if you want to get the list feature snippet or the people also ask, you have the numbers there for the table, the same thing, images is the same thing. So you just copy paste this, um, this uh, image and give it to your copywriter, content creator, blog editor, and it starts repurposing the content because it's something really easy to do. People are uh, searching for information most of the time on the internet. And actually a couple of years ago, um, uh, one uh, Google employee was telling us, actually it was John Mueller in Brighton SEO, was telling us that Google is right now, the, it's not anymore a search engine um, machine, a search engine um, web page is an answer in giant page. So that's why all the questions that you can have for uh, the product services that you're asking, you're just going to be receiving this type of results. And those are the questions that you can be using for uh, creating content. The first one is, of course, how. How to is right now giving us uh, more than 83% of results in mobile, in mobile and uh, a little bit less uh, for desktop. So these are all the questions that you can use inside of those pieces of content to have these results. And it's really easy to have them if you have the format that I just shared with you. So having these types of content, how that's gonna be beneficial for you, right? What is the thing here? And the thing is that if you identify the right keywords, which is the start of the process, um, then you create the content with those keywords uh, using, of course, 
question keywords, you can go and optimize your snippets. Uh, why is that? Because that's the first thing that people are looking when they are searching for something. Those beautiful snippets with the information that they are looking for. And of course, something really good is to uh, analyze the rest of the search features. We have a bunch of them on the uh, first page of results, actually in the second one as well. And then you can go um, um, own the first page of results. I have a practice for all of you. If you can write your name of the name of the company that you're working for, and you see how many results you have on the first page. You have all of the results populated. You can have social media results. You can have also Google News result images. If the first page of Google is populated by your result, that means that you are uh, you have the real estate uh, ownership for the first page of Google, which is the main, main goal. And for doing so, you need to have some skills and people in your team, they need to have some skill. We've been uh, asking for uh, several uh, marketing professionals that are working in this, uh, in this uh, industry. Uh, what are the main skills? And as you can see here, everybody says marketing, right? Yes. Uh, the second one, social media, then a strategy, then SEO research. So people that are writing content, they need to have at least the top three most important skills. Um, if uh, you want to share our secret, let me go with these, the top three soft skills that they need to have. So the first one um, is leadership. The second one, respect for deadlines. Without deadlines, you cannot escalate any process, right? Then the last one is written communication. All the communication with uh, different partners, uh, agencies, with copywriters, freelancers, with all the people that are helping you building a beautiful team for content creation. So um, for those who are creating content, I would like to give you the notice, and actually this is a, a premiere for all of you. If you are working with WordPress, right now SEMrush is fully integrated to your lovely um, add-on, which is... Uh, you know the name, right? Yoast. Yoast. Yes, Yoast. And right now we are fully integrated to Yoast and you can you can see all that information and creating content is going to be easy. Doing SEO is going to be easier than ever. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Fernando. And I'd just like to take a second just to double down on what he said there. If you If you really read between the lines, questions, the specific format of the content and the length of how that answers questions for terms that are within the first couple pages will get pulled out as rich snippets. And then they will also, uh, as a result of that, a lot of times show up in voice search and just get a ton of visibility. So super powerful stuff there. Thank you so much for going into that. And also a huge shout out to SEM Rush for that partnership deal with Yoast. Those two tools working together now for our WordPress clients are going to be so powerful. Fernando, thanks so much for taking the time, and I look forward to chatting with you a little bit later in the webinar. Now we're going to switch gears just a little bit, and we're going to get into something called Google Core Web Vitals, which might be one of the most important things that's new for SEO going into next year. All right. Thank you. I really like that point that he made about Google becoming an answer engine instead of a search engine. So we've gone over BERT intent, how to integrate that into your content. And the next thing we're talking about is core web vitals. 
So in May 2020, Google announced that core web vitals are going to be a ranking factor next year. So I'm going to review these metrics and how you can prepare your site for this upcoming algorithm update. So core web vitals are a set of factors that Google considers important in a web page's user experience. The content on your website needs to be useful and it also needs to be a good experience for your visitors. And I just want to reiterate that Google has made it known that in 2021, this will be a ranking factor. The core web vitals are going to be added to existing user experience ranking factors like mobile friendly and HTTPS. And the three page experience metrics that Google wants you to focus on for now are largest contentful paint, first input delay, and cumulative layout shift. So they're going to be continuously adding new metrics to their algorithm, but these are the ones that we need to focus on now. So let's go ahead and take a look at how important these, these metrics are. So there was a study done of 22, over 22,000 URLs showing that in position one, 10% of those websites were more likely to pass the core web vitals assessment than URLs in position nine. So this is showing us that core web vitals are already carrying weight in search results. Each of the metrics associated with core web vitals carry different weights, the heaviest being load, load speed metrics, which account for 55% of the weight, followed by inactivity, which is 40%, or sorry, interactivity, which is 40%, and 5% for visual stability. So let's look at each of these metrics and how you can optimize your site for each of these. Largest contentful paint measures how quickly the main content of a web page loads and is visible to users. Google assumes that the largest content on the page is the most vital for users. And as a visitor to the website, you would want the largest page element to load quickly or else you're gonna get impatient and start to think that something is broken. To provide a good user experience, Google suggests that sites strive to have an LCP score below 2.5 seconds across both mobile and desktop users. So there are specific elements that can trigger LCP. These are images, videos, block level elements that contain text like paragraphs, headings, and lists, or a background image. LCP will differ on a page-to-page -page basis. So a page that displays their largest piece of content um, as an image will have a different score than a page that, that has you know, three-word header with nothing else behind it as their largest piece of content. So when we're looking at how to improve this, you want to look at it on a page-by-page -page basis. And the simplest answer to improving the score is to make sure that your largest content element loads before other elements. There are several common causes for poor LCP scores. To analyze this, I recommend using the core web vitals reports in Google Search Console as a starting point. You can also analyze LCP in PageSpeed Insights and use this information to create an optimization plan. The benefit of using both of these tools is that Google Search Console provides an analysis on a page-by-page -page basis, where, whereas PageSpeed Insights groups it by problem type so you can find and fix it by problem. 
Uh, we can go into a lot more detail on this, but I'd like to talk about first input delay. All our lives we're told about how important first impressions are and it does not end today. So first input delay is the user's first experience of your site's responsiveness, which is crucial in shaping the overall impression of a site's quality and its reliability. First input delay tracks the time when a user first tries to take an action on your page and when the page is able to respond. So Google is looking at this metric as user frustration with your page, and they recommend that the score be under 100 milliseconds in order to provide a good user experience. There are certain types of interactions that are considered in responsiveness, and that's clacks, oh, sorry, clicks, taps, and key presses. Other interactions like scrolling and zooming are not relevant to FID. Uh, scrolling and zooming are related to animation qualities in the rail performance model, but you don't need to worry about that for core web vitals. So in order to reduce your first input delay, you just need to make sure that your browser's main thread is not busy doing something else so that it can respond to the user. Sounds really easy, right? Heavy JavaScript execution is one of the biggest offenders, but third-party code, high request counts on load, and a lot of main thread work are common causes too. So when you're looking at how to decrease first input delay, you want to decrease the time from the first contentful paint to the time to interactive. And the easiest way to do this is to make sure that your pages are less busy when they're loading so you can reduce the blocking time for an interaction. When you reduce the total blocking time, that metric correlates with the first input delay. So you can run a Lighthouse performance report and analyze the opportunities that it returns I highly recommend focusing on, uh, just focus on that total blocking time because as you make improvements to that, you'll make improvements to your first input delay. Also focus on the distribution of values and look at the ones that have a higher percentile. Uh, those are the ones that are holding your site back the most. So reducing those will drastically improve this score. Another thing you can do to track FID in real time is have your developer inline the Web Vitals JavaScript library from Google. Not only does it let you see this real time, but you can also send these metrics to Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager. The benefit of that is that you can look at this data and segment your website by your most valuable users so you can see who it's impacting the most. Moving on to cumulative layout shift. Cumulative layout shift, it measures the visual stability of a page. Layout shifts don't just happen during page load. If you've ever been reading an article after a page is fully loaded and then you can all of a sudden no longer, no longer find your place, this is an example of cumulative layout shift. And Google calculates how far those HTML elements shifted and the total area that shifted. And they use that to generate the CLS score. So how can we prevent this from happening? Go to the next slide. So there are several causes of poor CLS scores and it can be anything from images to ads to embeds and web fonts. 
If you want to improve your CLS score, you need to make sure that there's enough space for ads, text blocks, and other on-site elements. You also need to deliberately create borders for ads, banners, and images that can slide away from their intended position, and also load preload web fonts and use CSS transform animations and also avoid pasting content above existing elements. This, so if you go to the next slide, here's a list of tools that you can use to analyze core web vitals. I mainly focused on PageSpeed, Insights, Google Search Console, Lighthouse, and adding the Web Vitals library, but you can also use Chrome UX report, DevTools, and their Web Vitals extension. So at Ignite, we have a lightning bolt accelerator program. This is our internal methodology to make sites really fast. This system guides you through what you need to look at to improve page speed issues related to core web vitals. Um, you can take a screenshot of this if you want to, but I think we're sending out the deck afterwards. So next, Danny is gonna walk us through user experience and how we can relate it to conversions. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. So user experience, what is it? Uh, user experience is how a user interacts with your website or web page beyond the face value of the content you present. And this is important for a few different reasons. One, as Nicole already mentioned, Google did announce that a new ranking algorithm designed to judge a web page um, based on a user experience is going to take some, going, sorry, going to affect next year. Um, but the reality is that user experience in terms of behavior metrics like bounce rate, time on page, session duration, and pages per session has already been considered into Google's ranking algorithms now. Um, so for example, let's just say that you're looking online for black dress shoes, um, and maybe the search results on number one and number two have really good backlinks to them. They're very well optimized, and that's why they're ranking at the top, right? However, maybe you click on the search, on the search result number one, and it loads really slow. Um, you can't really find what you're looking for. Maybe the website looks outdated and you just bounce immediately, right? Same for the second one. Number three, however, maybe captures your attention. You read a couple blog pages on it. Um, you look at their different products and you have a good experience on their website. Google already takes that into account and over time will likely rank that number three above number one and number two, despite the backlinks and, um, and optimization on it, because it's noticing that you're having a better page experience on it. Um, so that's one reason it's important. And then the other one too, going back to conversions, um, for the best results, your UX and SEO need to be integrated because you're going to get the best experience um, and the most conversions when you're giving your users a good experience. So next up, um, going back to the announcement from Google on, sorry, John, next slide. Um, going back to what Google said about the ranking algorithm update for next year, Core Web Vitals is a huge part of that that Nicole just covered, but this announcement also covers some existing metrics like mobile friendliness, safe browsing, HTTPS, and intrusive interstitials. And what you see in front of you here is Google's direct recommendation on how to be prepared for this algorithm update. So they tell you to check your mobile usability errors report and search console, um, use the security issues report, make sure you're not using intrusive interstitials and they point you to a Google blog that you can look at. And all of this is specifically laid out in a Google Webmaster guide on page experience that they provide for you. However, this is the bare minimum that you should be doing to make sure that you are providing a good user experience for um, your website users. 
So Ignite recommends going um, a bit above and beyond to check what your user experience is. And the first tip that we recommend on the next slide, sorry. <laughs> Um, is to utilize heat mapping. So just because you think a user is interacting with your website, maybe how far down they're scrolling or what they're clicking on, doesn't always represent how a user is actually interacting with your website. So heat mapping can really give you insight into what's going on. Um, maybe you have a, a really important CTA that people aren't even scrolling down to on your page, or maybe you have some confusing tap targets that maybe actually aren't tap targets that people are trying to click on. Um, heat mapping can give you a lot of insights to see how a user is interacting with your web page and making sure that you have the most important content that you want your users to see um, in a highly visible spot for them. Another important thing that you can look at in analytics is your mobile versus desktop report. Um, so we've known that there's a lot of studies coming out saying that most of search is happening on mobile devices, but this is actually really dependent on industry. I have seen, depending on the type of website, um, a lot of search does still happen on desktop, but regardless of where your users are at, you're going to want to make sure that your conversion experience and your conversion rates are pretty similar on mobile um, and desktop comparatively. So if you're seeing that you have a lot of your website users actually happening on mobile, but that conversion rate is way, way down, that means you're not providing a good mobile experience for your users, right? So you're going to want to make some updates to get that conversion rate up and also just to improve that um, user experience because if people aren't converting, that likely means you probably have a higher bounce rate happening on mobile, um, less, less, less time on page and stuff like that. Um, so on mobile, especially, you're going to want to make sure that you're using really clear, descriptive headlines. Um, large content blocks don't perform very well on mobile. They look a lot better on desktop, and sometimes we forget that everything on desktop doesn't translate to the way you're looking at it on mobile. Um, easy navigation structure, site structure, how does your menu collapse, and so on. So really make sure that you're comparing and um, don't forget about how your website's looking on different types of devices. Next up, we have um, creative integration for a better user experience. So design also goes hand in hand with user experience because as you know, if you land on a website that has really poor creative design, it can break trust with your users and will make them bounce off the page. Um, maybe it'll make them think the business isn't legit or cutting edge or whatever it may be. Um, however, if you're using really great eye-catching images and what, um, web design and also adding videos to your pages, we know that videos especially really increase the time on page of a user and um, will help with those behavior metrics. Additionally, studies have also shown that more than ever, um, people are really, really liking videos to help them make purchase decisions. So whether that's like a product demo or, um, you know, explaining like why your company is better than others and so on. Um, people really are relying on video more than ever to help them make those decisions. So that's a really great tool for you guys to use. Um, also with video and images, we know that it's also a ranking factor just because it can help you rank in image search and video search. And more than ever, Google is making their search results more rich. So having a video and optimized images on your website could also potentially help you secure those spots in um, featured snippets. So for websites, you might want to consider a full visual refresh about every two years, but if you're really, really visual 
uh, in a visual industry, maybe like e-commerce, you always have to make sure that you're staying above, ahead of your competition um, and might consider an, even an annual refresh or a quarterly refresh based on um, seasonal changes and things like that. And next up, we'll get into content. Thanks so much, Danny. I want to chime in here real quick. I mean, everyone, this is so important. I just want to give you an action item. Look at all the highest ranking pages in Google. Go to them for your competitors and then look at the user experience. What do their tap targets look like on mobile? How have they structured their content? Do they have a featured snippet? Um, is the page loading you know, quickly? Are they passing the core web vital updates? I'm so excited about this new direction for the future of search. And I, I can tell you with certainty that every Every single website we have had significant, and I mean significant, I mean like 50 points of page speed increases and increases to usability and increases to multimedia. Just like Danny said, I thought that was really well said. We have seen not only great jumps in search traffic, but major jumps in brand recognition, conversion rates, revenue. All of this stuff ties together. You really need to be investing in the infrastructure of the web. So that first part of the presentation, everybody, is really, really important. I know a lot of it sounds technical, but it's really, really critical as we move into next year and just to get yourself set up uh, for the future. So now we're going to pivot a little bit, and I'm so excited to bring Alan Bush uh, on, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about content. Then we're going to get into the mammoth conversation of links, and then finally, we're going to end, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how I feel like you should structure your perfect SEO program in just two slides at the very end. So Alan, I'm going to go ahead and hand this over to you and you can go ahead and talk to us about content. Great. Thanks a lot, John. I appreciate it. Um, here's some high level strategies that we're going to find. We found actually work for our clients, but first I want to talk about Google web stories. Uh, this is relatively new, and you may have seen this on your Google mobile apps, it's on the mobile experience. So if you're familiar with story features on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, it pretty much works the same way. Uh, publishers can create their own. You can actually go to stories.google slash create. And um, if for those in WordPress, there's actually a WordPress plugin that Google has that you can install on your WordPress site. And I just wanna make one quick comment on this everybody, because um, now we have stories on Google, we have stories on Instagram, we have stories on LinkedIn, we have stories on, which I just started posting, oh, we got stories on Facebook, we got stories everywhere. <laughs> What's your stories strategy, right? Think about that. We That's the most, one of the most visible places on the web right now that is newly emerged. And for me, that's a huge competitive advantage if you can crack the code there and have a specific strategy for your stories that integrates with your overall themed social media marketing strategy. So I would just challenge you to think a little bit more about that point. I feel like it's very important going into 2021. Absolutely. So again, um, to reiterate some of the things that were mentioned earlier, high quality content, intent focused content will be the key to ranking. So make sure that you include facts and figures when possible. Um, Heading images, I'm always surprised when I see when clients and or people that I know don't include heading images and don't borrow images, make sure they're your own and they're, or stock photos. Um, and also, as Fernando mentioned earlier, getting in that featured snippets, um, use SMrush, that'd be a great tool to find out what people are asking so you can address those pain points when answering those questions. And again, we have a series of systems here. There's a lot of great things we can have, uh, just we do as a baseline. Uh, this gets adjusted depending on the industry and the specific client needs, but we always start with a baseline of doing these type of things. And we have something called the content growth engine. Um, you can, again, take a snapshot, but you'll likely get us a, a, 
this uh, presentation afterwards. Yeah, and everybody, this is a specific system and checklist of exactly what you need to go ahead and implement this content growth through content marketing. So hopefully this is a real big value add for you. Also, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Make sure you can actually repurpose or rewrite old content. A lot of great content that you might have already had might be outdated or worse that you start creating what we call canonical issues with your new content because you're repeating the same thing over and over again. And sometimes it's great to, to reinforce what you're talking about, but then sometimes you just overlap each other. So make sure you take older content, refresh it, or merge similar ideas into a new set of content. Even repurposing content might be even good to change it into a different type of content like video, graphics, or a slideshow. And again, speaking of that, integrating video, again, I'm reiterating a lot of things here, but I think it's super important to understand that video and graphic, uh, telling a story visually is super helpful and making sure that you reinforce your own pages that you have that may have a lot of, uh, of text content and hub content, uh, but audiences digest information different differently at different times. So uh, make sure that you're, you're pushing out different types of content that might even revolve around the same idea. Um, what I like to do is deconstruct a video and turn it into an audio file, turn it into a transcription, maybe even make a slideshow or take some graphics out of that, put them on Pinterest, and then make sure all of your content is linking back to your main hub content. That's super important. And again, one of our systems is content uh, called the Content Rekindler, and this is how we actually do that. We go and look through old blogs, actually use tools like Google Analytics to evaluate what blogs that we used to get traffic but no longer get traffic, and then refresh them, update them, or consolidate them into a bigger masterpiece. And on that note, I, I would just ask everybody, go into your Google Analytics, look at your blogs, do a filter for your blogs. Just go, you go in the filter section by URL, look at all the blogs, look at all the pages on your website that haven't had any traffic. I mean, not one visitor in the last six months. What are they doing there? Did you optimize those for a big term that you still wish that you could rank for? Well, if you did, it's probably a really great exercise going into next year to do a full scale content refresh plan so you can get that big pop in traffic that you're looking for. Absolutely. Thanks, Alan. So now we're going to shift gears just a little bit. We're going to talk about link building. I, I like to think of it more as value building on the web and uh, digital web management, knowing every single place your customer is going to be online. And we've really worked very, very hard on this part of our business here. I've got one area that goes through all the strategies that I think would be really good to execute for any SEO program. But before I do that, I want to hand it over to Nicole just to talk to us a little bit about link building, and then we'll get into some of the strategy side. Nicole, would you like to go ahead? Yeah. So link building is a great way to complement your, your content strategy. So I want to talk a little bit about the approach for link building in 2020. And I, I really encourage everyone to take a customer-centric approach to link building. It really should be looked at as a way to enhance your brand's online media presence by making sure customers can find you online. When a customer can find you in all the important places online, it'll help you grow the size of your brand. And one of Google's favorite things is to see growth in branded traffic. So backlinks is not just about the number of links you have, domain authority. It's, a, it's also just about growing the presence of your brand and creating engagement. 
So let's talk chat about a couple strategies that we can use for link building. And the truth is what it comes down to it, links are hard to build. It's, it's hard to get people to link to your website. And it's also hard to figure out which tactics you should be using in your link building strategy. So if you have a lot of content on your website, you can pitch your site as a resource. If you're in a highly competitive industry, you can do a competitor backlink analysis to see where your competitors are linked and make sure that you have visibility there as well. One of my favorite strategies that we do at Ignite is industry studies. These give you company proprietary data that no one else has access to. And then we can write content about that study and pitch it to online publications. So take a look through these strategies and really fine tune them for what your business needs are and for what works best with your business and your goals. And what I would say, just to reiterate one thing, find the strategy that's right for you. You'll notice that on the right-hand side, the fifth bullet point down is for awards. What if your link building and digital pre-R strategy going into 2021 was just getting on all the awards in your industry, right? And doing submissions there. Do you even have a calendar for all the awards in your industry? Something to think about and something that we could work with you here on Ignite. What if you had a lot of people who mentioned you online over the years, but you never took the time to reach out to them and say, hey, I saw you mentioned us. That was super nice of you. Would you mind linking back to us? You know, what if you had a brand that was out there in the past that's gone now, and now there's broken links that are all to that old brand site? Broken linking would be a fantastic strategy. So each one of these is a specific strategy with a lot behind it, and picking the right one is going to make or break the success of your conversions online, and that's the most important thing. So as we move on just a little bit, um, we've got a couple more big things we want to cover here today. Nicole, talk to us a little bit about backlink cleanup. Sure. So we have a couple systems for backlinking. This is our internal system to clean up backlinks. Uh, there are a lot of great tools online. SEMrush actually has a really great tool that allows you to analyze your backlinks to determine which ones need to be cleaned up. We actually have a checklist, which I don't, we didn't list everything on here, but we have a checklist of about 12 to 15 different things that you can analyze and backlinks to determine if they're harmful, spammy, and you really don't want them to be associated with the site. Um, so I would definitely recommend analyzing your backlink profile and determining which ones need to be cleaned up. We also have another system called the update recovery system that shows how we integrate a linking strategy into your technical SEO and content strategy as a result of a, as a, of a traffic drop. Um, so this is something that we use a lot. Really, you know, when we're analyzing traffic drops and we're looking at what pages are dropping and things like that, we'll put together a strategy on a page by page basis really and determine what needs to be done from a technical standpoint, a content standpoint and a linking standpoint and make sure that they're all working together to, to get rankings back up. It's really important everybody that we continue to monitor backlinks. If you've got them blocked, uh, and, and people are doing negative SEO against you, that's a, a really good thing. So, you know, for some websites, you might need to do it once a year. For other websites, it might be something you do every single week. So make sure that you're taking a look at the links that are coming into your website. It still does have an impact on some level, maybe not as, as much as it used to with having bad links because Google does ignore a lot of them, but Google and Bing both will take it into account if they feel like you've crossed a certain threshold.
Thank you so much, Nicole, for going through that. So we're going to bring it home here, everybody. Let's talk about 2021 and beyond, and then let's talk about what should be the checklist for your program going into next year. Alan, take us away. Yeah, so basically you want to make sure you have adjustments to these change times, um, things we need to pivot our offerings. You've seen a lot of companies doing this locally, especially, uh, but making sure that you have delivery or takeout or maybe even a video tour, um, online consulting, depending on your industry. So your action item here is to update the language on the website to reflect these offerings. And um, I've seen people add a link to the top of their navigation to COVID-related safety measures and navigation. So um, un understand that and invest in any kind of web technology or partnerships to help you pivot your offerings. Um, I'll also double down or triple down on some of the things that are related to what we talked about earlier, the experience metrics, the UX, SEO is a ranking signal, huge one, mobile experience, um, ease of use, page load speeds. Uh, this is going to really help. So make sure you understand and invest in tools like Hotjar and understand CRO. Uh, this is going to really help to, that Google will understand your intentions behind what you're trying to, to communicate. Fantastic. And I, if I could just make one point on, on Alan's point one there, adjustment to change times. We've all had a tough year. I hope everybody's doing well, but ch times have changed for businesses, consumer demand and product market fit as well. I would ask you all to check out Google Trends, see how your industry has changed. Check out the new Google Ads automated insights report that forecasts any future growth in keywords, new keywords for your industry, because there has been huge shifts in keyword buckets, many more breakouts terms that are indicative of how your consumer is changing. Check out your Google benchmark reports and see how things are trending there, as well as SEMrush data now versus the past for your top terms. And then also check out the keyword planner and your Google intelligent events. Those are six different things that are going to be really powerful for you to evaluate the new landscape for search. Yeah, absolutely. One more thing to add to that. I also saw people having fun with it and adding like a pop-up that said, I saw a ring company, a popular ring company saying, love isn't canceled. So they basically are capitalizing and actually a little bit of fun and, and tongue-in-cheek stuff as well. So Awesome. Um, now, JavaScript, this is a little bit more technical, but I've noticed a lot of websites, especially large enterprise-level websites going into JavaScript-based platforms, React.js or AngularJS. Um, before, Google could not even understand what was going on there, but now they're making a concerted effort to try to understand that. So make sure that if you do have JavaScript files, uh, that Google can see them. Sometimes we disallow a lot of things in the robots file, but in, in the case of, say, uh, WordPress, we want to make sure that we allow the file that contains the JavaScript because Google is going to push next year and beyond how to understand JavaScript-based language. And then, um, uh, again, reiterating some of the things that Jennifer had mentioned, the BERT and the EAT updates. Uh, this is really heavily focused on intent. For those who don't know, EAT stands for Expertise, Authority, and Trust. So between BERT and EAT, uh, you're going to have to make sure that you have intent very clear. So uh, some of the metrics that are associated with that are keeping your time on the site and whether or not they engage in micro-conversions. Um, another aspect of, is asset adding videos. It, make sure you optimize them offsite. Some people don't forget to, that there's a description underneath your YouTube video that you can actually add a link back. So align your on-page optimization strategy with your offsite assets. This includes your social media plan. This includes your, your video distribution, any kind of a graphical distribution. All of those things are going to help you rank in the future. So generate content that helps answer questions. Same thing you would do on-site. Put that off-site as well. 
A quick note on video. Um, obviously, I do a lot of video. Videos are way easier to get ranked than content right now. doesn't mean don't do content. Do content. We're still seeing fantastic results there. But if you've got a keyword and nobody's really done a great video optimization for it, I really think you should do that. Pick your top 10. If you don't have your top 10, top 20 pages and keywords with a video, you really should add that to your plan for next year because you'll jump to the top for it. And also, if you haven't looked at Bing lately, um, it's very, very heavy with, with video. Also, mm -hmm. with the Google Home Hub, with all of these new devices out there that in, in Android in general, a lot of that stuff integrates directly with YouTube. So it's just a, it's a very, very important place to be. And, and thanks for bringing that up, Alan. Absolutely. Thank you, Alan, for that point. A um, couple more slides here, everybody. Let's, let's uh, just talk about what your plan should look like for 2021. I, I would say, take a look at this page, okay? This could be a snapshot of what you do internally. You hire an agency for, you do yourself, right? But you're gonna have about 10 hours of technical work a month with you know, the core web vitals, with page speed, with fixing errors. You, know, you want your page speed to be 80 or above. You want zero errors for core web vitals. So go into that Google Search Console report, check that out, make sure you've got zero errors. And then you want to be doing consistent content marketing, always going after new terms. And, and by the way, if there's some breaking news in your industry that nobody's written on before, why not be first to market for that, right? And then also refreshing all those old pages. I don't think you should have any page on your website that hasn't been updated in, in a couple years. Like if there's something that's over two years old, isn't that a liability for you? Don't you think that that's totally, you know, old content that should be refreshed so that you could rank better again? I, I definitely would challenge you to think that. Also dynamic optimization for our enterprise clients that are on, for these big websites that we work with, dynamic optimization is something that it shouldn't be a one-time thing. In, in fact, I, I would say, let's start doing it quarterly people. What is the dynamic optimization off of a category and subcategory flow that is the best in the industry? When working with enterprise sites, far too often I see that we wait three years to dynamically optimize a whole nother set. Why not start putting the month in there, the, the updated number of reviews, the updated number of photos, you know, uh, uh, things that are seasonal, right? So, and if you don't know what I mean, basically there's a set of rules that you can use to optimize elements on a lot of pages at once, like the title, descriptions, H1s, H2s, number of items in a category, wh whatever you want that's in the database, right? And so this is something that enterprise should be looking at much more frequently because every time you flip that switch, Google sees that new content they want to test it. So it's kind of like the refresh strategy as well. Also new builds. What's a whole new segment of your website that you can launch that are keywords that you haven't gone after before? It might be top of funnel, mid, bottom funnel. Uh, it doesn't matter as long as it relates to the goals of the business. And then ongoing linking. You know, this stuff takes time. You need a dedicated, amazing professional who understands those strategies that we laid out earlier. So 10 to 40 hours a week should be dedicated to that, making sure that you've got a map of everywhere that you should be showing up online and you have somebody who's highly skilled who can deliberately put that digital presence management together for you. Also, integrating with paid media, right? advertising your top content out there on all the sites, right? You've got these blog posts. They're not getting any traffic. It's an amazing blog post. It's an amazing top of funnel thing for people to come in and then to build into your remarketing list so that you can nurture them further down. You should definitely, definitely be doing that. 
uh, advertising your top content. In addition to that, if you've got a keyword that fell down, right? You fell down for your top term, you need to be keeping an eye on that and an index report like the SEM rush one, and then pivoting on the other end of the spectrum and advertising to make sure that you don't have any drops inside of your traffic. You also want to integrate with social media. The more social shares you have in a larger community, the faster things get indexed and you shoot to the top. Google looks at that. That's why it's important to be building that community. It's important to be doing promoted posts. It's important to be getting social shares. That's why these news sites get stuff ranked so quickly because Google sees how that happens. And in addition to that, multilingual and international, it's the easiest thing to do right now to get traffic if it makes sense for you to go outside of the United States um, or whatever country that you're in. A lot of these other countries are not as competitive as other ones. Of course, that's all relative, so you need to make sure you look at which country is important to you. And then CRO usability and design. So testing at least two things a month. Are you running two tests a month in Optimizely? You run in two tests a month in Google Experiments. You should be because by doing that, you'll consistently be using the data from your heat maps, using the data from your in-page analytics to improve the user experience, the conversion rates, and developing more and more landing pages. I mean, on Ignite at this point, you know, we've got 20, 30 different landing pages and funnels, you know, for every type of keyword segment you could think of right now. And so I, I would love to see everybody build up a program as sophisticated as that. And then competitive analysis every quarter looking at every single thing that's going on with your competitors from a ranking perspective, from a template perspective, from a design perspective, uh, from a conversion rate optimization perspective, from a messaging, from a creative perspective, bringing that all together and then using that to develop your plan. And then I love industry studies. I think everybody's heard me talk about that a lot. Manufactured press, uh, the, the press loves it. They love to cover it. It's great for you to build yourself up as a thought leader. And I highly recommend people do that quarterly along with events quarterly. Show people that you're a thought leader in your industry. So last thing today, um, this is a summary of some of the things that you might want to include in your plan. I would say take a, take a screenshot of this, but you know, going global, local SEO, content marketing, competitive topics, you know, making sure you have the topics that either are competitive enough or aren't too competitive so that you can actually rank. Money Climber, getting ranked number one, rekindling your content, making sure you've got a monthly technical audit. SEM Rush has an amazing tool that shows you your health score for technical issues. And you want to get that to a point where you don't have any technical issues. And you can look at that on a monthly basis. We try to integrate that with, with our clients. Session 100, if you're doing a website transfer. So take a look at this. And if you would like to learn any more, I have a great value add for, for you, everybody. So we're actually going to be sending the bullet point checklist for how you do all of these things. Uh, in the follow-up. It's later on in this deck, and it's going to give you a checklist for how you do all the most important things for SEO. So keep an eye out for the Ignite Visibility email that comes through. That's going to give you a checklist of how you accomplish all of these most important things. So that's it, everybody, for our SEO webinar today. I want to end just by asking our group here, um, what's their kind of main takeaway for SEO? Anything else they'd like to add going into 2021? Just to sum it up. So if you could just tell people, um, you know, all of our speakers,